Suppose for a moment you're the Apostle John and you've just written the opening verses of your gospel. You put the pen down, you take a walk around the block and you sit down at the desk and you reread the opening verses. And to be honest, you're pretty happy with yourself. You know this one's going to be a bestseller. But you're conscious that you've made some very big claims. Jesus, the creator of the heavens and earth. Jesus, the true light, which gives light to everyone. Jesus, the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus is the one who has come to make God known. And you know, it's not a game. The stakes are really high because you want people to come to know Jesus, to believe in him so that they can have life, true life, eternal life. And so you've just finished the opening verses. What's your next move? I suppose you could send it straight off to the publisher and hope people take a blind leaf of faith. After all, it's a pretty good opening verses. Uh, You could employ some scare tactics. If you don't believe this, or you could appeal to your authority, look, I'm the apostle, just trust me. What John does next is a stroke of genius. Uh, If we had time to read through all of John's gospel, we'll notice all the legal language that crops up. Uh, Compared with the other gospels, John is far more concerned with testimony, with witness, judgment. Uh, It seems that there's a trial going on uh, where after the truth, there's a judge and a verdict. You see, John is not asking us to take a blind leap of faith. Uh, He's not forcing us or threatening us into belief. Uh, He is asking us to trust him, uh, but he hasn't left us in the dark. In fact, he's inviting us into court because there's a trial going on. And so our first of two points this morning, uh, verses 19 to 28... John bears witness to the Lord who is near. It might be helpful to have the the text open as we go through. Uh, John bears witness to the Lord who is near. Uh, Straight away, our first witness is dragged into the witness box. Verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. A group of priests and Levites, they were sent down from Jerusalem, from religious headquarters, to suss out who this John the Baptist guy was. Uh, His ministry had started to raise some eyebrows. There was lots and lots going on. He'd become very, very famous, baptising hundreds, if not thousands. Uh, So famous, he made it into Josephus' Antiquities of the Jews, uh, which, if you tire of listening to me, you can read about in Ben's insert. This guy, John, he was such a big deal that when middle management from religious headquarters came down, they wanted to clarify one thing. Hi, John. It's, it's so nice to meet you. Look, we've heard so much about you. We've come down from Jerusalem for the day. Uh, we were just hoping to ask you a few questions. Do you mind? Look, the thing we really wanted to clarify, there's so much going on here. We've heard rumours and whispers. We just wanted to clarify You're not the Messiah, are you? Verse 20. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. No, I'm not the long-expected saviour of God's people, says John. John bears witness that he is not 
the Messiah. And so middle management keep going with their questions. Verse 21, they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. I imagine the delegates from Jerusalem surrounding John with their fancy suits and their clipboards as they cross each option of the list. And as they get to the end of the list, they flick over the page and they realize they're out of options. And so it gets a bit awkward at this point. Uh, John might have looked down in his watch and wondering, are we done here? But they can't go back to their bosses in Jerusalem and tell them who John the Baptist isn't. One of them comes up with a great idea. Why don't we just ask him who he is? And so they do. Verse 22. Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. I am the voice calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, he spoke at a time when God's people were a mess. But hope was not lost because God had promised them that he himself, the Lord, would rend the heavens and come down and save his people. But before he comes, there was going to be a voice, a voice in the wilderness, getting everyone ready his arrival. And so our witness is John. He's not the Messiah. He's not Elijah, nor is he the prophet. He's the voice, a voice in the wilderness, making straight the way for the Lord. And it's his voice that gets everyone ready for the arrival of God himself to come and save his people. It's his voice. In that day, if you had taken Isaiah to heart, you'd know that the Lord was near. It was time to seek righteousness, to do justice, to straighten out our crooked lies because God was coming. John bears witness to the Lord who is near. God himself is coming to save. But our our middle management, they fear that that's not going to be enough for the executives in town and so they probe a bit more. Okay, so you're the voice in the wilderness. If that's the case, verse 25, why then do you baptise if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. Here's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John bears witness that it's not him. It's all about someone else. I can only make clean people clean from the outside, says John. You see, there's one coming after me, one whose dirty, dusty first century shoelaces I am not worthy to bend down and untie. I'm just the voice. I'm the guy who rolls out the red carpet. I'm the warm-up act. I'm the one who plays before the Beatles concert. Verse 28 This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. And so the first day of the week concludes. The voice in the wilderness testifies that the Lord is near. God is coming to save. It was evening, and then it was morning. 
verse 29, the next day. And also our next point, verses 29 to 34, John bears witness to the Lord who is here. John bears witness to the Lord who is here. After his morning coffee, John puts on his sandals and he heads down to the river to keep on baptising. But he sees a man walking towards him. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. This is him. This is the guy I've been talking about all along. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. This is why I preach. This is why I baptize, says John. I'm getting everyone, everything ready for him. He's here. He's here. Now, John would have seen hundreds if not thousands of people walking towards him in his ministry. Verse 31, he's just said he's never met this guy before. How does John know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? A lucky guess? Uh, Was he like some of us here who have name badges? Let's take a closer look at John's witness statement in verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. How does he know that Jesus is the Lord who he has been preaching about? Verse 32, the spirit came down as a dove and landed on Jesus's shoulder and remained there. That's all he needed because John the Baptist knew his Bible. After quoting from Isaiah 40, I am the voice. If you read on two chapters, Isaiah writes this. Chapter 42, verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. When John saw the spirit descend on Jesus like a dove, it all came together. That's him. This is the chosen one. This is the servant that God promised to come and save his people. And it's why he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because John knew the 700-year-old promise that the servant would suffer on behalf of his people. Again, keep reading in Isaiah. John must have been reading on. Chapter 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is the servant God had promised to come and die in the place of his people. And as the sun sets on day two, again, quoting from Isaiah 42, John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. 
And so we have part one of the testimony of John. He has seen and he testified that the Lord who was near is now here. The Lord who promised 700 years before, the Lord that would come, that would rend the heavens and come down and save his people. It's Jesus. John the Baptist had put it all together. I'm the voice, he says. He's got the spirit. He must be the servant, the suffering servant, God's chosen one. Look, it really is the one, the lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world. When John looked at Jesus, he came face to face with the promises found within the Isaiah scroll. The Lord is here. The same Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The same Lord who promised to come and save his people. The Lord, Jesus, is here. And John's just the voice. It was never about him. His ministry was always pointing people to Jesus. And the Apostle John has made sure that the Baptist ministry continues in perpetuity. So that 2,000 years later, this very morning, John is still pointing all of us to Jesus. Jesus, who came not to wash the dirt off our skin, but to wash the dirt off our hearts, to cleanse us with the Holy Spirit. And the one who cleanses us does it by dying for us. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The world has never been the same again. The Lord, the creator of the universe, has stepped onto the scene. The Lord is here. And this means that Jesus doesn't come as a bolt out of the blue. John bears witness that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament expectation that the Lord himself would rend the heavens and come down to rescue his people. Which makes John the Baptist a very handy witness for the apostle. Because what we've looked at this morning, John's testimony, is only confirming everything that John the apostle wrote in his opening verses. The Jesus that walked before John that very day is the Lord of heaven and earth, maker and creator. He must be light and life, grace and truth. What John saw that day really was the word become flesh, the one who had made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. But it's not just the testimony of one preacher in the wilderness John the Baptist has effectively dragged the entire Old Testament into court for everyone to see. This 700-year promise is unfolding before our eyes. The Lord is here to save. Jesus is a fulfilment of God's promise that he himself would come and save his people. John's dragged into court to tell us that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, looks a fair bit like Jesus, which is why he loved pointing people to Jesus. That's what his whole life and ministry was about. Despite the crowds, the fame, the reputation, nothing to see here, folks. Look at him. That was John's ministry. And so will we let John point us to Jesus this morning? That's what he would have wanted. Will we believe 
that Jesus himself is God who is here to save. Uh, For those of us who are Christians, will we keep on believing that Jesus is God who has come to save? Uh, In our offertory hymn later on, we'll sing these words. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his praise from shore to shore. He who loves us, ever loves us, changes never, never more. He who died to save his loved ones intercedes for them above. He who called them his own people watches over them in love. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It really is good news and it's worth singing about. But our trial's not over. Jesus hasn't actually done anything yet. And we all know that any good legal drama is more than one episode. It's only just getting started. You'll have to come back next week.